0: Welcome to the Great Communicators podcast, presented by the MIT Office of Graduate Education, a professional development podcast, expressly designed to bring lessons from the field to our graduate student researchers. My name is Adam Greenfield, and if you ask a lot of sports fans what draws them to their favorite sport, they'll probably say it's the action. But for some, myself included, it's also a physical and verbal performance that draws them in. In most sports, If you listen closely and pay attention, all of the athletes involved are all communicating in one form or another, whether it's verbally or physically. They're speaking to their teammates, explaining what actions they're going to take, hopefully without the other team figuring it out first, and also expressing to the audience watching a desire to achieve something special. Of course, while scientists aren't competing on a literal field of play, they are, in a sense conducting their own communicative performance in hopes of getting their own something special across to their audience. In this episode, we're going to get a glimpse into the sport of American football, and when it's all said and done, we'll see that when it comes to communicating, we can learn a lot from something that's more than just a game.
1: My name is Sage Rosenfels. Uh, I am a retired NFL quarterback of 12 seasons.
0: And even though Sage has retired from playing the game of football, his current life path still involves various aspects of communication and performance.
1: I dabble in different aspects of the media, whether it be calling football games, uh, writing articles, uh, doing radio shows, radio interviews, all that type of
0: stuff. As I mentioned, in most sports, the players are constantly communicating with each other both physically and verbally. When it comes to football, you'll see coaches on the sideline using hand signals or large signs relaying plays to the players on the field. Typically, in the NFL, the quarterback, essentially the leader of the offense, has an electronic communication piece in his helmet that the coaches use to relay plays from the sideline or a coach's booth high up in the stands to the player out on the field. The quarterback then, in the huddle, relays the play to the rest of his teammates on the field just prior to running the play. Sometimes, you'll even see something on the quarterback's wrist, like a wristband, that has the plays listed for reference. To get just a little taste of what these plays sound like and how a quarterback would call them out, I asked Sage if he could give an example or two.
1: Double right, zebra right, three jet zebra arches. And? Twins right motion, scat right, 525 F post swing.
0: As it turns out, These are the exact same plays. We dive deeper into the language aspect of communication in other episodes, so we'll keep it simple in this one. But basically, in football, there are different types of languages, so it's possible to say the same thing in different ways. Now, I don't know about you, but I was very curious to get the breakdown of the plays.
1: Generally, in an NFL play, you... Uh, start with a formation, uh, you know, two players in the right, two players in the left, or does it start with three players in the right and one player in on the left? Um And where is it with the You know, while
0: this is a very cool and interesting breakdown of the play, perhaps I underestimated its depth. There really is a lot to that little group of words that is the play. But let's get to the gist of what all this means. So right about here.
1: So. Uh, Everyone has sort of their individual responsibilities, and it sort of tells everybody what to do. But generally, almost all NFL offenses and college offenses start with a formation, a possible motion, uh, some sort of protection, and then the
0: pass pattern. That point is important to keep in mind, because there will inevitably be moving, complex parts to your performance and talk. While most football players in a huddle are listening for their individual responsibility within the play call, The quarterback has to know every teammate's responsibility. You, the quarterback of your own performance, will need to know each part of your performance and how they together create effective communication.
1: So what's amazing is how few people really understand all the things that a quarterback uh, needs to know to be successful. Mm -hmm.
0: And this doesn't even include the fact that these NFL quarterbacks are performing in front of tens of thousands of people each week. Oh, and don't forget the television audience, which could be in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions. So there's an onus on the athlete to perform a task, which is really the responsibility of any performer. To perform a task you have promised to an audience, and in turn, communicate an idea or desire. In Sage's case, is playing a fast-paced and demanding game. In your case, it could be showing how your research has lived up to the responsibility required of you as a scientist. Just like Sage, you need to be conscious of the audience's expectations of you. I know, it sounds like a lot of pressure, and we'd be remiss if we didn't say it wouldn't be nerve-wracking to perform in front of a large stadium full of people. It's unavoidable. It's human. Most of us, me included, can't really conceptualize how that feels when a stadium is full and everyone is watching you. Sage does though, and filled us in on what that was like for him, and also that nervous fear that may be unavoidable, but in time, can go away.
1: My first college game probably had over 50, 55,000 fans. I definitely remember walking down you know, from the locker room, you had to sort of walk down a ramp uh, to the field And really just looking up at all the people and the fans and the crowd and just being in awe. And I'm, I'm sure my, my mouth is open, my jaw is dropped. Over time, you definitely get more and more used to it. Uh, and you get so focused on what you're doing, the crowd just becomes this thing that's around you. And it's not something you really pay attention to.
0: But surely all those people yelling had to have had some kind of effect, right?
1: Believe me, we can't hear you when you yell at us. Uh, from the stands we don't hear any of it uh, we 're we're very focused on our job and plus there's usually you know seventy or eighty thousand people uh, that that uh, you're, you're not going to hear your complaint <laughs> uh, over their voices as well
0: again, you the scientist won't constantly have other scientists trying to tackle you so in a way you really don't have that sort of distraction to take you away from your fear of engagement with an audience during a talk however, perhaps there's another way of looking at it Maybe you, the scientist, have it ten times easier because without that distraction, you can focus on your talk and interaction with the people in front of you. Good old perspective. Now along with focus, Sage brought up a subject other guests we've talked to in the series have raised, and it plays a significant role in the overall goal of strengthening communication. Practice.
1: You know, anytime you practice something hundreds and hundreds or thousands of times, you get so used to it that uh, your body just sort of does it and it just sort of adjusts. And you've trained your mind over years uh, to make certain throws or make certain reads.
0: When it comes to the performance area of communication, the process of repetition plays a pretty big factor in your success as a speaker or performer. In fact, kind of amazing what happens to your perception of your surroundings once you've repeated the same action over and over, whether it's during a game, during a talk, or while you're reciting your talk over and over in your bathroom mirror. I
1: think you just get so focused on what you're doing. You're just not worried about what's going on around you. And, um, and you're so focused on the game plan and, and what you're, the, the coach uh, wants you to do uh, in that play that uh, you dive into that so much that uh, you sort of forget about uh, all the rest that's going on. I believe if you really understand the game at a high level, uh, again, the, I always like the science of the game, uh, the speed of the game will start to slow down. Um, if you're one of those players who uh, I guess isn't um, well-schooled in, in all the intricacies of football, I think the game can feel really, really fast and, and chaotic and there's a lot going on. but. Uh, if you've really mastered uh, sort of the X's and O's of the game and what everyone's responsibilities are and the defensive responsibilities and what's going to happen, and you can anticipate the game does slow down uh, much more than people realize.
0: All right, so maybe you're not dodging tackles or giving talks to tens of thousands of people in an open-air stadium. But when it comes to performing and communicating in such a way that your audience leaves with more knowledge and satisfaction, I'd say this episode proves you can learn a lot from athletes. The language you use will tell your peers and audience members what direction you intend to head in or what actions you plan on taking. Furthermore, it informs those around you or those paying attention of the results of your actions. And that's where practice comes into play. Consistently repeating your communication whether it's to peers or to a wall, will play a very big role in how well you're able to communicate in the big moment. As Sage mentioned, when you understand something at a high level, you're able to anticipate potential stumbling blocks and adjust your communication performance. Thanks for listening to the Great Communicators podcast, brought to you by the MIT Office of Graduate Education. My name is Adam Greenfield, and feel free to talk amongst yourselves. This
1: podcast was written and produced by Adam Greenfield. The executive producer of this podcast is Patrick Yurick. The Great Communicators Podcast, The Great Communicators Podcast, Grad Comics Live, Grad Comics the Game, and the technically speaking comic book series are part of a professional development initiative called GradX. GradX
0: GradX is, is made possible by the Office of Graduate Education at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. To find out more about about GradX, as well as get
1: access to other episodes of the Great Communicators podcast, go to gradx.mit.edu. For
0: more information and links on the music used in this episode, please see the show notes.